When we give to others, we're also giving to ourselves. There's a great deal of research showing that giving is one of the best ways to not only increase happiness, but also to increase self-confidence. Giving can take us from helplessness to helpfulness, and consequently, from hopelessness to hopefulness. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Hi and welcome to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today we're discussing happier no matter what. Cultivating hope, resilience and purpose in hard times. The author of this book is Tal Ben-Shahar and the book is published in 2021. I want to share a number of my favorite insights from this great book, starting with Paradox of Happiness, Mindfulness, Move It, Move It, Be Curious, Power of Giving, Don't Reject Emotions, and finishing off with Pay It Forward. So let's start with the introduction. Quote, I wrote this book so that you can have something to anchor you during tumultuous times, ideas that you can hang on to and most important, experiment with. I'm a psychologist and an academic. In my profession, I draw on research a great deal. However, even more essential than research is me-search. Research is about looking at what other people have done, evaluating their actions, and learning from the result. Me-search is doing the same for the self, looking inside, experimenting with change. I'm a big fan of biographies. There's much that we can learn from them, especially biographies of people who have done special and extraordinary things. Yes, you will learn about a lot of happiness research. Yes, you will find tips for incorporating these ideas in your life. But more than anything, I'd like you to play with these ideas and tips and see how things work for you. Some of the strategies may be highly relevant for you at this point in your journey. Some may be relevant for you in the future, and some may not be relevant at all, but it's difficult to know without trying. With this book, I hope to distill some evidence-based information so that you can me-search based on psychological studies and create a bit of order amid the chaos. I want to give you strategies that you can apply and that will help you become happier now." End quote. After a tumultuous two years, Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar is a timely and important book filled with research-based findings and strategies that you can start applying to your life today. Happiness, after all, is the ultimate currency. People spend their lives searching for it, so I am excited to share some of Tal Ben-Shahar's insights so that you can start doing your own me-search and begin leading a happier life. I think me-search is my favorite new word for 2022. It reminds me of what I learned during the Optimized Coach program which is to put on your lab coat every day and run experiments. You run experiments on yourself and you figure out what works and what needs work. It's brilliant. Insight number one, paradox of happiness. Quote, studies suggest there is a harm in placing too much value on happiness or on becoming happier. UC Berkeley psychologist Iris Moss and subsequent others showed that people for whom happiness is very important, who claim happiness is a key value of mine, end up being less happy and feel lonelier in the world. Constantly reminding yourself how important happiness is and how much you want it can backfire. 
This is the paradox of happiness. The more we value it and therefore want it, the more elusive it is. If we're trying to become happier, then how do we resolve this paradox? We can pursue happiness indirectly. If I wake up in the morning and say to myself, I want to be happy, I'm going to be happy no matter what. I'm directly pursuing happiness. This deliberate pursuit to be happy reminds me how important happiness is to me, of how much I value it, and therefore hurts more than it helps. Instead of working on happiness itself, we can pursue the elements that lead to happiness. This way our focus is on the value of these elements rather than the value of happiness." End quote. It is difficult to just wish for happiness or demand it of yourself every day. Talben Shahar suggests that we need to engage in the indirect elements of happiness, which he refers to as the spire, S-P-I-R-E. The S, spiritual well-being. Do you experience a sense of meaning and purpose in all areas of your life? P, physical well-being. How physically active are you? I, intellectual well-being. Are you a lifelong learner? R, relational well-being. Do you spend time with family and friends? And E, emotional well-being. How well do you manage your emotions? Insight number two, mindfulness. Quote, we can also experience spirituality through mindfulness meditation. We can practice being aware in the moment, free from distraction. Mindfulness is present moment awareness, ideally without judgment. It can be the awareness of breath, another physical sensation, an object, an activity, or anything else. The more present we are, the more enlightened moments we experience. Vietnamese Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh says, if we're living in the past, we're open to depression. In the future, we're open to anxiety. Only in the present, we are open, end quote. To be honest, I had never done any kind of mindfulness practice prior to 2019. My meditation practice, which is now a part of my morning routine, has been such a strong anchor for me, and the evidence for the benefits of daily meditation is simply overwhelming. Tal Ben Shahar highlights the significance of awareness and true presence, which I believe are the fundamental benefits of meditation. I'm reminded of a great book, Awareness, by Anthony DeMello, where he shares this powerful insight. Quote, Imagine a patient who goes to the doctor and tells him what he is suffering from. The doctor says, Very well. I understood your symptoms. Do you know what I'll do? I'll prescribe a medicine for your neighbor. The patient replies, Thank you very much, doctor. That makes me feel much better. Isn't that absurd? But that's what we all do. The person who is asleep always thinks he'll feel better if somebody else changes. You're suffering because you are asleep, but you're thinking, how wonderful life would be if somebody else would change. How wonderful life would be if my neighbor changed, my wife changed, my boss changed. End quote. The power of mindfulness is that it directs our attention to where it belongs, the present moment and ourselves. You can't be concerned about what everyone else is doing while you're concentrating on your breathing or another anchor thought that you have set for yourself. Insight number three, move it, move it. Quote, exercise doesn't mean an intense sweat session at the gym. More generally, movement is essential for our well-being. Research out of the University of Cambridge in England shows people who move more often tend to be happier. This is true even if they have a desk job, but every 20 to 30 minutes, they just get up and walk around, a micro recovery, end quote. 
I have developed a real passion and commitment to movement. Incorporating more movement in your day is essential to good health, but the average person today lives a sedentary lifestyle. In Move Your DNA, author Katie Bowman illustrates the importance of movement using two simple circles. Draw one small circle which represents exercise, and then draw a bigger circle around it that represents movement. Movement transcends and includes exercise. Katie shares a brilliant insight related to the current state of movement in today's society. Quote, The paradox of our modern world is this. Not only do we do less physically than we ever have before, but we also almost never do nothing. End quote. Tal Ben-Shahar asks that we reflect on our current commitment to movement. One question is, how physically active are you? The second question is, do you take care of your body? I recommend you reflect on these questions and then make a commitment today to improve. Get started now. Insight number four, be curious. Quote, just as studying happiness is not about reaching a final destination, but a process of becoming happier, intellectual well-being is not about determining final answers. Its true value is in the process of exploring, discovering, and learning. And it is often a question that launches us on a quest. So what I urge you to do, be patient with uncertainty. Ask your questions and tap into your innate curiosity. Engage deeply with rich texts. Choose one or two great books and indulge in them. Read and reread them. Fulfill your potential for deep learning and through that for success and happiness in other domains." End quote. Curiosity may have killed the cat, but for you and I, it is an essential part of our well-being. Find ways to cultivate your curiosity of life and of learning new things every day. If you take curiosity and apply it to optimizing your life every day, then put on your lab coat and become curious about the simple changes you are making in your life and how they are impacting you. What do you do with that data? As David Brooks says so eloquently in The Second Mountain, quote, they use data as a flashlight, not as a hammer, end quote. I love that quote. You don't need to beat yourself up if things aren't going well. Simply shine the flashlight of curiosity on what needs work and ask questions to help you find better answers. Insight number five, the power of giving. Quote, in a time when we're more isolated than ever, how else can we meaningfully strengthen our relationships? No matter what your situation, one of the best ways to become more empathetic and alleviate feelings of loneliness is through giving, end quote. Tal Ben-Shahar shares a powerful study that demonstrates the true power of giving. This study was broken into two parts. In the first part, the researchers pulled together a group of people and measured their happiness levels. Next, they gave them each a sum of money and told them to spend it on themselves. This study generated an interesting result. Happiness levels increased while shopping, but just 24 hours later, the happiness levels dropped back to where they were before the participants went shopping. In part two of the study, a different group of people were grouped together and given a sum of money. However, the difference this time was they had to spend that money on someone else. After they completed the task of spending the money on someone else, their level of happiness was the same as the first group immediately after the event. The difference is in the results after 24 hours, which revealed that happiness levels decreased, although not as much as in the group who spent the money 
on themselves. The benefits of spending the money on others continued to have a positive impact on happiness one week later. Quote, when we give to others, we're also giving to ourselves. There's a great deal of research showing that giving is one of the best ways to not only increase happiness, but also to increase self-confidence. Giving can take us from helplessness to helpfulness, and consequently, from hopelessness to hopefulness, end quote. How is that for a simple way to boost your happiness? Give to others, give money, give your time, give in any way possible to boost your helpfulness, hopefulness, and happiness. Insight number six, don't reject emotions. Quote, there is a paradox at play here. When we reject painful emotions, they only intensify. We reject them again, they grow stronger and gnaw at us more deeply. Whereas when we accept and embrace painful emotions, they don't overstay their welcome. They visit and then leave just as they came. Let's take grief, for example, arguably the strongest of painful emotions. Research suggests that people who go through grief fall roughly into two groups. One group comprises those who are considered to be tough. Following a loss, they decide, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to get through this. I won't let this get to me. They put on a brave face, pick themselves up by their bootstraps, and go on. The other group, those who are considered softer and less tough, might say, quote, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me, and I don't know how I'm going to get through it, end quote. They cry, they talk about it, and they experience their emotions. They break down. When we look at the two groups from the outside, we might look at the first group and think, wow, they are holding up well. We might look at the second group and think, I'm worried and just hope they will be okay and make it through. But a year or more later, what the research suggests is that the second group is likely to be in a much better place than the first group. The second group gave themselves the permission to be human and allowed the natural process of grief to take its course, end quote. Okay, I found this study fascinating since I have a close friend who is still grieving the loss of a child, which is one of life's worst tragedies. If I'm being honest, I was worried and thought she would need to toughen up to get through it. But this research has broadened my horizon, and I now believe she is proceeding precisely as she should. I'd like to acknowledge her. She knows who she is, and while I continue to learn from her on a daily basis, the lesson I just received from this book, along with a personal connection to someone valiantly struggling with sorrow, has truly opened my eyes to a new perspective. Thank you, Tal Ben-Shahar, and thank you, my friend, for having the courage to openly express your emotions. Your handling of this tragedy will become the guiding light for so many people in the future. It's not just that painful emotions intensify when we reject or avoid them. It's also that we fail to experience the full range of pleasurable emotions. All of those feelings, whether pleasurable or painful, flow through the same pipeline. If I block the envy, I'm also inadvertently blocking the love. If I restrict anxiety, I'm also restricting excitement. If I suppress sadness, I'm also impeding the free flow of joy. Painful and pleasurable emotions are two ends on one continuum, two sides, of the same coin, end quote. Tal Ben-Shahar shares three ways to give yourself permission to be human when facing painful emotions in life. One, permit yourself to cry. Number two, permit yourself to talk about it. And number three, permit yourself to write about it. Don't throw up obstacles and don't be afraid to communicate your unpleasant feelings. If you are afraid to express your pain, your positive emotions will suffer as well. They are connected.
Insight number seven, pay it forward. Quote, happiness is contagious, and so all those whom you interact with and impact become carriers of your happiness, spreading it far and wide. Even when the going gets tough, there is always something you can do to become happier. And when you do so, you help others do the same. Remember, you are a spiritual being capable of purpose and presence. You are a physical being, a mind and body united, flowing with energy and vitality. You are an intellectual being, curious, deep, capable of learning and growing. You are a relational being, generous and kind, with the capacity to love and be loved. You are an emotional being, capable of experiencing pain and pleasure, compassion and joy. You are whole, end quote. I just love the idea of paying it forward because it gives all of us hope that one person can truly create ripples of good in this world if they start by paying it forward to one other person who commits to keep this chain of goodness going. A simply brilliant way to spread happiness. This concludes my quick look at Happier by Tal Ben-Shahar. Tal Ben-Shahar is also the author of one of my favorite books of all time, The Pursuit of Perfect. I highly encourage you to check out that book as well if you haven't done so already. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lamba. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To go deeper with me, you can register for free at www.philosopherinsights.com for instant access to a growing library of Philosopher Insights, which are 8 to 10 page PDFs, plus 20 minute MP3s that break down my favorite insights from the world's best personal development books. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Facebook at Optimal Herb. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.